On this week's episode, we have an interview with Randy Parker from DreamWorks. Welcome to episode number 352 of Destination Linux, your favorite video podcast. My name is Jill. I'm Ryan. And I'm Michael. We're also going to cover tips and tricks, gaming, and so much more. Now let's get the show on the road toward Destination Linux. Our community feedback this week comes from Vincent. He says, I'm following the show for years at this point and always love it. Thank you very much. And I think the good mood and you keep the gatekeeping to a minimum is great. That's referring to the idea of that some people don't want other people to join the community and we are very welcoming. So appreciate that very much for those you know who didn't know what that meant. He also says that it's very important for the Linux community overall and thank you so much. But I have a question. Specifically for Ryan's gym bro side. <laughs> I restarted lifting a few months ago as an Emacs user. I'm keeping my program and weights values in my, an org file. But I was wondering what kind of other Libra software or self-hostable solution exists and have been uh, trying stuff, but you know, by the team regarding sports stuff or weightlifting stuff. In, a, in particular, I'm looking for a convenient way to track calories and macros, hopefully with the least proprietary software possible. Any advice, specifically from Ryan Jimbro? And <laughs> and he says, uh, love y'all, especially Jill. Wait, what? Why do they always <laughs> have to put especially Jill in there? Right. Like, we know, okay? It seems this unnecessary. Point, okay? We don't need you to put that. We just assume it's especially Jill, okay? And he says, thanks again for the show. Greetings from Japan, Vincent. Uh, thank oh, you cool. so much for the question and also awesome that you're from Japan and we, we get to know more and more about the, our audience and how... Well, I guess like 196 countries, right, Ryan? Something Last like that. Time we counted 196 countries yeah. listening awesome. to this podcast. Yeah. And this is wild. proof, evidence, yeah. you know. But we need to answer the question, especially because of the macros, whatever that is. So, Ryan, <laughs> um, what advice do you have for Vincent related to your gym broness? Uh, gym broness. First <laughs> of all, I love that. That cracked me up. Uh, one of the reasons, personally, I love working out is so I can eat whatever the heck I want. Uh, without worrying about it. So uh, I'm not somebody who pays super attention to every macro and nutrient and, and calorie that I put into my body. I actually like to uh, enjoy food. And I know people, though, who are big into the fitness world who will watch everything they eat and generally in competitions and things like that. Uh, I do notice, though, that the moment you start working out more, you end up paying more attention to what you eat. So while I say I like to eat whatever the heck I want, the reality is that as you start what going you to the gym, has changed. what I want has changed. Like it has to have yeah. protein in it. Lots of protein constantly. And generally there was this wonderful um, interview with somebody who's a celebrity. I forgot who it was, but he was talking about how he was going on a diet and the person said, you're going to be able to eat anything you want on this diet. And he said, that sounds awesome. And then he got super mad at the guy who convinced him to take the diet because now what he wants is different. And it is true because he doesn't yeah. want any of the stuff he had before. Exactly. Uh, That's how they get you. Yeah. That's how they so get you. I, I try because diets can be very depressing for people. They go through them for so many years. And then I also tell people avoid the scale when you're starting to work out and things because muscle weighs more than fat. You're going to see your body's, you know, weight's not changing. And all of these things that we've kind of been told over the years, I think, create more depression than happiness. Um, but you avoid bad foods, I think, as you start getting into fitness more and more. And it becomes more important for you to. Uh, you know, just make you feel better when you're going to the gym and things. I have to consume, for instance, 225 grams of protein a day. 
that doesn't leave a lot of room for anything else. Like I'm already sick of eating by the time I've consumed that much protein. And so it's one of those things where by nature you start cutting out a lot of the chips and junk and things. Uh, so personally, I don't watch a lot of what I eat from that aspect other than how much protein is on the back of the bag. I mentioned my Garmin watch, um, and I have a video out there on the Garmin watch, the Venue 3. I track everything related to calories burned and my workouts all through the Garmin watch and app. It's very convenient to utilize uh, because it does a lot of these things for you. Now, it does have a connection to something called MyFitnessPal in the mm -hmm. Garmin app, which is one of the calorie trackers that have all of the preloaded foods in there from McDonald's and Zaxby's and everything else so that whatever you're eating or even grocery items, you can check that and it's going to automatically count your calories, tell you what your macros are, all of those things, all the food facts you can look at, but it's proprietary. So you asked for something that was Libra free. So, you know, open food facts would be one that I would check out. This is an open source app that allows you to scan food for its nutritional value and also the environmental impact. And you could choose if you care about That's that or not. Some people do, some don't, that that food particularly has that you're interested in. It's open source app. It's available on F-Troid, for instance. I think it's more convenient to have something on your phone, which is why I'm talking about an app here, than necessarily on your desktop. Although what you're doing right now, if that works for you, you know, in, in Emacs, just keep utilizing that for sure. Um, then there's waste.line, an F-Droid app for calorie tracking. So the app I talked about previously will give you any facts about any food. Think about that as your database. And then the waste.line is, hey, I want to track calories, nutrients, those type of things. Mm. That's one so you can check out. That's a combination suggestion thing. I think so. One of the things I like about the uh, open food is you're not getting obsessed with what you're putting into your body. You're just kind of getting the facts of that thing you're eating at that time or to make a decision on what you're eating at that time. And uh, like I said, if you're going to be a pro bodybuilder, then you probably need to know every single nutrient and fact about the food that's going into your body. If you just want to get fit and, and, and feel healthy and better, then I think just simply knowing what's in some of these things uh, would be good enough. So my suggestion is to do that. I also, if I'm having a vacation or something and I want to track the nutrients that I have, maybe I'm bulking, so I'm going to be going more calorie rich. I'll just use standard notes as an app on my phone. I just find the apps a far more convenient option because your phone's always on. Yeah, so I that's agree my with my suggestions. As far as the uh, apps thing, totally more so. I tried to do it on my desktop a long time ago. It does It's not good because then you have to remember where everything or take photos of like the exercise bike results and then go in and manually type it in. And that's just annoying. Mm -hmm. And then you could have like uh, these apps or specifically the watches have these new things where they can kind of, you know, like kind of like how a credit card does a little tap system. You can do a tap system on these uh, treadmills and ellipticals now yeah. that will send that data to your device or something. You can also do it with your phone and that sort of thing. So that's really cool, but you would need to do it in a mobile approach. Uh, I don't know what apps necessarily to do it for what particular equipment or any of that stuff, but I know it's possible and it's pretty cool. There is another one that's called Lose It, which is basically the same as MyFitnessPal, where it keeps track of the calories and it gives you the, the database of stuff. And it also is proprietary. So there's yeah. that. Uh, but I, I don't do the calorie counting that much, but I've also gotten into the workout more. And what's funny to me is that you were talking about how your diet, what you want to eat has changed. 
And every single time I work out, when I'm going there, I don't want to do it. And then when I'm done, I feel better, I have energy, and I don't want to waste it by eating terrible food. Yeah. So it's kind of like this weird thing where my body is kind of like tricking itself into eating, right? Yeah, you don't enjoy the taste of that food as much. And like one of the biggest guys at our gym, and when I say big, he is a freaking monster. In fact, the Marine Corps uses his picture on their posters to recruit people. That's how big this dude is. But in the middle of a workout, he'll order a full size pizza and eat it right there. He he does not, he he's eating 10,000 calories a day. I burn in my workouts around 6,000 calories. Uh, and I work out six times a week. So I don't really care how many calories it has. I just want lots of protein and stuff that makes me feel good. But everybody's body is different. If I ate yeah. that full pizza, I would feel sick. And yeah. so you got to play with different foods and see what works for you. And then see what you're getting the most benefit out of. If also, you're wanting to cut. A single pizza is not that much for a monster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. True. And yeah. Ryan, I love these suggestions because I myself, I'm paying more attention of the ingredients of food now because yes. there's certain things yep. I can and cannot have. And and this will mm-hmm. be really useful. The open food facts, I'm going to be installing yeah, nice. that. <laughs> awesome. We helped awesome. Jill too. Yeah. Now it's a double win. Thank Good you, job, Vincent. Jim, for <laughs> an awesome. Thanks, Jim Pro. Thanks for the awesome question and for the new nickname, apparently, that will be And if be you want some it. more information about fitness, check out our podcast about fitness called Fit and Fueled with Nicole. Yeah. It is fantastic. And we'll have that linked in the show notes. And that's an IFBB pro bodybuilder right there doing that mm-hmm. podcast. So you get a lot of great advice there. So this episode is brought to you by Namecheap. Now, Namecheap is where we go to get all of our domains. And if you know anything about Michael, who's responsible for our domains, it's there's a lot of them. There's like a lot. And Namecheap oh, is a fantastic place to go and get the domains you need to start your new business and start it cheaply. You can get URLs, you can do self-hosting, you can have WordPress set up for you, or you can just get the domain itself and set all that stuff up uh, elsewhere. They have all kinds of options, whether you're a blogger, small business owner, you have big dreams on the internet. Well, Namecheap is the place to check out. So head to destinationlinux.net slash Namecheap to get started and check out all the options that you have for starting your next big business or even small business or blog or whatever it is. It's all there. Whether you have a big idea or the next big business, the price is not big at Namecheap. All right, so now we have a very special interview lined up. Thanks to Michael being at the Ubuntu Summit. He had a chance to interview DreamWorks, someone from DreamWorks. And Michael, DreamWorks, for those who may not know, I'm just kidding, everybody knows DreamWorks. For those who doesn't know about one of the most important animation companies ever made, uh, well, yeah, they know, they know. (laughs) And they also know that teamwork makes the dream work. You just had to throw that in there. That's good. All right. Let's get into the interview. And Michael, this is about a month ago. So I don't, I've never seen this interview. I'm excited to hear it and see it. I can tell you everything that's going to happen once we play the recordings. Yeah. Because you've forgotten to. Because you have forgotten what. I remember maybe two questions and I don't remember the answers. It's been over a month. And I do remember the interview was awesome, though. So I am excited for you to check it out. And he's going to be talking about Moonray probably too. Oh, 100%. Yay. Moonray. <laughs> 007? So. Moonray? <laughs> Moonray as in the so- the software the that they open sourced at DreamWorks. Oh. For and also the Eris software, which is related to uh, database rendering yeah. with Moonray. Yeah. 
I don't remember, but it's something like that. <laughs> and it's really cool. And we talk about that. We also talk about how he got started with DreamWorks and his experiences and all cool. sorts of stuff. It's a fantastic interview. Let's roll the clip. Hi, I'm here with Randy Packer from DreamWorks, and we're going to be talking about the work they do, and we're going to get to know Randy here. So, Randy, introduce yourself to the audience. Hi, well, I'm uh, Randy Packer, as mentioned, and I am a senior manager at DreamWorks, and uh, I've been there for about nine years, and I manage the rendering and shading teams, or the engineers that build Moonray, uh, along with our machine learning team and our farm uh, uh, team as well. Nice. For rendering. So could you go into more detail about what Moonray is? And also, I know that we I covered it on This Week in Linux about it becoming open source, but I only covered it in like an overview style. Could you give more details about what that is for our audience? Sure. Moonray is our production path tracer. It's a ray tracer or MCRT, Monte Carlo ray tracer. Um, we developed it uh, 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 around 2013, 2012, 2013 is when we started it. Mm -hmm. um, it uh, we finally got it put onto a production in early 2018, which was How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, or Dragon 3, number three. Nice. Um, that was the first movie that we've done with Moonray, and we've done every one of our feature films since using mm -hmm. Moonray. So it nice. renders all of the final frames, all of the animation uh, for our movies. Nice. So it's, it's becoming, the, is it the most critical piece of the rendering process, or is it... It is absolutely the most critical piece of the rendering process, for sure. Um, we, yeah, we are the core renderer, and we get used in multiple departments. So um, we're used in animation and in modeling and in lighting. As the artists iterate on their work, uh, they just keep rendering and make changes and render and make changes. And then eventually it comes off to make the final render. We do that. Uh, and we put all those together, and you have a movie at the end. Nice. So what was the motivation behind open sourcing Moonray? Because that's not something you would typically see from a Hollywood production. Yeah. Um, I, you know, the motivation is a bit of uh, desire on our part. We have open source things in the past. We enjoy sharing with the community and learning from the community. Um, we don't view our technology as the area that uh, we run a business. We view the making of movies and mm -hmm. uh, the stories that we tell yeah. as our business. So the technology just serves that business. And there's no need really to um, hide that technology. It's good technology. We're not selling it. Uh, we don't plan to sell it. Uh, so why not expose it to the world that other people get to know it? Um, you know, maybe uh, a budding artist in school yeah. uses Moonray, learns it, and then wants to come work at DreamWorks. You know, they already know the tool. That's always an advantage. There's, there's a little bit of selfish motivations there, <laughs> but it's not all selfish. I yeah. mean, we like, I mean, it, selfish motivation is not necessarily, it's not really selfish. Getting people the access to um, the software so that they can help work with you. I mean, that seems more, yeah. it's, I guess, in a way it's selfish, but you're also giving an opportunity for some, for anyone who wants to do it. That's much more uh, selfless, I think. Yeah. We just felt like this was a nice thing to be, uh, to be shared with the community. We, yeah. we certainly enjoy seeing what the graphics and the open source community does out there. And we have learned uh, from the past. And so when we, when we wrote Moonray, we did a ground up architectural re, re, you know, rewrite of everything. Um, we didn't take any legacy code mm -hmm. and we had learned from people who had come before us. We weren't the first studio to go to a ray tracer, but right. you know, other studios shared what their developments were. 
we develop ours, we share ours, and the community and the VFX industry as a whole just gets better. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So when the, when you open sourced it, uh, is it open source in the sense that the code is available and people can use it, or is it an, an open source in the sense that the code is available and they can contribute? Both. Okay. They can use it and they can contribute, and it's an Apache 2 license, so they are free to do whatever they want, basically. Okay, awesome. Sometimes people open source code and then they don't accept contributions because they want to create it themselves. Right. Uh, I was just wondering if that's the same situation. So no. that's awesome to hear. Yeah, we absolutely want contributions. We do have a contributor license agreement. We need to make sure that people, when they submit code, right. are submitting their own code. They're not, you know, that they actually own that code that they can contribute yeah. back. And it's not from AI or something. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The Moonray system and is, is not the only thing you talked about here. You also did a talk just just a minute ago about mm -hmm. Eris. Could That's you right. give more information about that for us? Sure. Yeah, Eris. Um, so we open sourced a few things. We open sourced the Moonray is the path tracing renderer. Mm -hmm. We open sourced a uh, a set of uh, shaders or geometry procedurals that we use uh, for our productions. Um, which basically are they're, they're plugins to the renderer, which can describe material and the look and everything like that. Um, so we open source a set of those, and then we open source Eris, which is um, our uh, computational framework, and it basically enables massive multi-machine distributed rendering. So on an on-prem farm or on a, on a cloud service. So if you wanted to scale Moonrate up. Uh, by adding more more cores than are available on a single workstation, mm -hmm. Eris enables that. Oh, okay. If you want to build uh, different workflows that um, artists would use, such as being able to view different frames within a, within the same sequence of a shot, and then manipulate the environment lights or manipulate environments to see how does the whole sequence uh, look. Mm -hmm. uh, at, a, at one time, rather than just opening up multiple frames, Eris enables that. Nice. So, so uh, curious about the open source aspect of it. So how much do you think of DreamWorks is using open source to accomplish the, the creating the movies? Is, is it like a, is it just open source tools that you have or is there also other tools? That oh, you can we absolutely use other tools, yeah. There's, um, in, in, in the presentation I talked about uh, a variety of different uh, open source tools like OpenUSD, which is a universal scene description format that Pixar mm -hmm. developed. Um, it was recently, uh, they made a foundation with Autodesk and Apple and NVIDIA and a couple others to standardize and promote uh, that technology. Um, that's uh, key to us. Moonray itself uh, got a major contribution from Intel with an open image denoiser. Mm. Um, which is quite uh, quite well quite good. Um, we have open sourced at DreamWorks. We've open sourced OpenVDB, which is a volumetric data representation format. Nice. Uh, Moonray includes that. Open Image IO. Sorry, Open Image IO. Yes. Uh, open Color IO. Uh, if you name it as something open, we probably used it, <laughs> and we use it at DreamWorks. Nice. So I'm curious, what? Kind, what operating system do you use for the rendering farm stuff? Right, so we are aligned with the VFX reference platform, mm -hmm. which is uh, a promoted set of uh, versions of tools that are commonly used in the VFX uh, industry. Many studios are on the VFX re reference platform. Mm -hmm. um, so right now we're on CentOS 7, okay. and uh, we're moving to Rocky 9, and these are recommendations, and uh, we need to make sure we have a number of different packages we have to work with in our pipeline, mm -hmm. and it can be uh, a 
fairly complex and challenging task to make sure that all of these things work well together for production and you can hand over the data that gets output from one and input into the next. Okay. So it's nice to have this alignment where the whole industry has said, okay, these are supported software packages for a certain time span and uh, you can use that. So that's that's our basis. Is there any particular reason why you chose Rocky over Alma? Uh, it's just the VFX reference platform. Okay. That's what they chose. That's what they chose. Okay, That's, gotcha. That was specified by them. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Um, so I was wanting to know more about the process of making the movies as well. Sure. So you said in the talk that it could be up to four years. Is that like the baseline or is that just like the average or? Uh, I don't know that it's a baseline. I, it's about an average. Yeah. Okay. Four years to pr produce the whole movie from, from like scripts. Green light to final product. Nice. So, the uh, I, I would assume it would take that many, that much, a lot of time to do it. Mm -hmm. So, what is the most complicated part of that in terms of taking the most time? Is it the the animation aspects of it, or is it the the overall just um, research of technology and making sure that it can be possible? Wow, that's a great question. I don't know that I can answer that specifically. There are so many different departments at play here. Um, so. There is an element of the research uh, at the beginning because once you've greenlit the film, you've got the script, and then um, concept artists come in and uh, look uh, producers come in and they start describing, you know, they, these are the guys who go off to various parts of the world, take pictures and say, okay, I want it to look like this or this. Oh, okay. they, they decide on a color, uh, a, a color palette for the movie and they decide on lots and lots of... Uh, uh, look details and so there's a research component involved in like okay now that we know the look does our existing technology stack will it let us achieve that look or do what do we need to build or buy to okay. get there um, I'm just curious what is the percentage likelihood of that when you're making a movie you already have the technology and don't have to make anything new like how often does that happen uh, I, I don't think that I think we have to make something new every time. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, to to greater or lesser extent. Okay. Um, not to massive extent. Not to the point where you're swapping out every single thing. Yeah. That would not happen. So okay. um, we're talking about um, different geometry procedurals or different ways to achieve some some tweaking of the looks mm -hmm. so you can make it look really stylized. If if you saw Puss in Boots, yes. the, the the most recent one that looks very painterly. So we had to do yeah. a bit of research yeah. to see how are we going to achieve that painterly look with Moonray. So is there ever um, an issue of like say for example the the difference between the Puss in Boots style from the first one to this one is, is drastically different. Mm -hmm. Whereas the style of like uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs one and two are fairly pretty much the same in terms of like how it looks. Mm -hmm. Is there um, any hesitation of changing that style so much like like for the Puss in Boots example? Oh, that's that, that that's not in my realm. Okay. <laughs> so that would be along the producer and the director okay. gotcha. thinking about that. So yeah, I, I don't really know. Okay, no problem. Uh, um, th these questions are kind of coming off the top of my head as, as oh you're no, it's no problem. Okay. Um, I mean, back to your earlier question about you know, is there some areas that uh, require more effort or less mm -hmm. effort? I mean, research is one, mm -hmm. um, but the standard things you would have in any uh, animated feature film is, is just creating models 
um, is a is a is a significant uh, portion of the movie, mm-hmm. and then rigging, doing the rigging is a significant animation, uh, very important, and then lighting. These are all you know the stages in the film that yeah. uh, we have to go through. Like the I've seen some behind the scenes of of how mm-hmm. you do certain uh, pieces and and. The, when especially like demonstrating what Moonray can do, there's a lot of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's also behind the scenes of some of the animations. And the how often is it uh, storyboarded versus is it like um, like the terms of I forgot what the term is, but you know they have the CGI version of what it want they want to be, and it's like a very rough cut, mm-hmm. like a previs. Previs, that's what it is. Yeah. Right. So, how often do you do a previs versus like an, a drawing animation storyboard kind of thing? Uh, we do both. We okay. do we do the storyboard starts off first, and then we do uh, previs, and then we get into the more final lighting uh, okay. kind of thing. Um, I've definitely been into the early cuts of films, and it's a mix. Sometimes you know you'll you'll be watching ten minutes of just the storyboards with the with the the voice track, mm-hmm. uh, and then they'll have like you know the next two minutes are already done in previs, so now the next two minutes are showing in previs, and then the next five minutes might actually be you know close to final lighting. So they, you know, it depends on what they're working on in in, in the sequence of the film. Do you know roughly how many people are involved in making a single film for DreamWorks? Ah, uh, that is a great question. Um, gosh, I, I don't really know. It's a it's a few hundred. Uh, mm-hmm. I think on the production side of the film, DreamWorks itself is just uh, a bit shy of two thousand people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but we have multiple productions going on at any time, so I assume I think it's a few hundred per uh, per film. Okay. On the production yeah. side, the technology tends to stay static for all the films, okay. uh, which is the where Moonray sits. We're on the technology side. We're not bound to a specific production. We work for all productions. Nice. Um, I will say that uh, you know I think I think our artists are amazing. Um, if you look at our credit roles on our movies, I think our movies just really stand out like very well in terms of visual look and everything. Yeah. Um, but the credit role is kind of kind of shorter than you would see in other films. So I think our artists just do amazing work, and we have really good tools to support them to do it. Oh yeah, I mean I, I love uh, pretty much every movie I've seen from DreamWorks. I haven't yeah. seen all of them, but I, I want to. <laughs> and uh, like the recent Bad Guys one was yeah. a very fun one. Yeah, and there there's there's a quite a few that I would like to see. And I actually just saw Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2 mm-hmm. like a week ago. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I actually didn't know there was a second one. <laughs> so when I saw it, I was like, oh, no, I have to watch this. Yeah. And I like the fact that most movies, um, whether they're animated or not, especially if they're not, but even even animated, but they, they give you like a sequel and the sequel starts uh, four years later. This right. is five seconds later. Yeah. Like, that's actually like, okay. I want to see this. Yeah, that's 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 a that's a cool trick. Yeah, yeah I like that. I like the animation gives you that option, and I'm I'm glad that y'all went with that. Yeah. yeah. So um, when it comes to software development and it comes to animation and creating a movie, you said it takes four years to do it, but in that period of time, Moonray probably has uh, hundreds of improvements and mm-hmm. software releases and right. and how do you deal with the, the amount of speed it takes for the movie to be made versus the amount of speed it takes for the software to be made because there's such a di- dichotomy there. How do you uh, compensate? Is it this, this, when the movies 
are they locked on a particular version or do they gradually update? Right. So there's a couple of things uh, involved there. So Moonray development itself, if we're not, if we're talking about features, features can take a little while to develop. Although we do, as a team, we have continuous integration and we release internally to our clients uh, every week. Uh, so once a week. Um, we involve ourselves very heavily with the production, mm -hmm. especially early on in the early look dev, because that's when they're trying to figure out how are they going to achieve this look. Does the look need to be done in render in Moonray, or do mm -hmm. they do it in you know in post in compositing you know with Nuke or something? Mm -hmm. um, and we work really closely at that stage with them to figure out okay, what are we going to do in Moonray and start developing those those features early, yeah. and then at some point. Uh, the show basically um, tech locks. They basically say, "Okay, we've developed our oh, look. Okay. Uh, our look, our look is good. We know it's going to work. So we're going to tech lock. I'm going to stay on this one version of Moonray uh, oh. until the end of the show, and then we're going to finish our production on that version." Oh, okay. And then at that point, um, once they're tech locked, we're not developing new features for them anymore. We're just uh, uh, making bug yes. fixes if they need. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So, how many versions at any given time are you actually maintaining for this kind of thing? Uh, we we basically have one tech lock version, and all the other future shows are early enough on that they are taking the weekly oh, okay. releases as we go. Okay, so at any given time, there's only one movie that is in the tech lock section. Right. Oh, okay, that's cool. Right. right. So that's that's very structured to make sure that that timing is per, is, per, is set up that yeah. way. Okay. Um, so the so you're talking like when you say tech lock, you're talking like a feature freeze. Of, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's right. All right, so that's that's very interesting because I was I was wondering like how could you have something that in the open source world, the software development world, uh, four years is like a decade. Yeah, you know, yeah. and or even more so. Yeah, and uh, so I was very curious how that handles. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We have to at some point we have to uh, we have to freeze the feature set for a given production, mm -hmm. so we don't you know there's a potential that we could destabilize them if they keep keep taking right. new features. Right, know? that makes sense. So. Uh, I just want to kind of move on to more of like what you do at DreamWorks. Mm -hmm. So could you give more more details about like like how how are you involved in like you say you're managing the different pro departments? What is it like in like a day in the life of Randy? Uh, oh, uh, the great question. Uh, I have a computer science background, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't have a graphics background. So when I joined DreamWorks, I didn't know anything about rendering, and I got uh, I got. Uh, 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 solicited to come in by a former director in the, the technology that I had worked with. Nice. Um, so I had to learn rendering uh, as I as I went along. Um, I think uh, there are some advantages to that in that I rely very much uh, on the team itself to say, "Hey, this is we think this is important and everything," and then I get them to explain it to me in a way that I can understand, and then I and then basically am pretty successful about. Um, Building a supportive and a supportive and trusting environment where the team can do these things and not be interrupted all the time with mm. whatever crisis that might come up. Oh, um, nice. And uh, yeah, I guess I don't know. My my value there is um, really uh, giving the team the room to do yeah. their best work. Of course, like it's without my support. Yeah. Without micromanaging, that's the best kind of the the best form of the best example of like a, a good leader is someone who allows you to develop your stuff rather than trying to tell you what to do. Exactly, I don't I don't try to tell them what to do. Um, I mean, I will chime in with an opinion and say, well, this versus that. At some points, 
there might be some conflict to say, oh, well, we should do this, but then we don't have the resources to do this. And I say, well, let's let's talk it out a little bit. And if it does need to be a, a, a you know a hard line decision, then right. yeah, I have to come in and say, okay, let's do this. Okay. Nice. Um, other than that, I do try to keep myself very much, um, I, I keep it in the back of my mind, like what kind of value am I providing to the team? Mm-hmm. So our team is very, what, one of the things that I always take as a good philosophy is just own your own stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we take care of our own release processes. We write our own documentation. We don't have external teams to do that. Um, and uh, we have uh, basically a list where we just kind of, you know, go through the list and and. and s- circular through doing a release every week i do the releases too so okay. yeah nice. I, I definitely try to own as much as i can as what the team owns so okay. i don't try to push it all on them i i step up and do it too that's that's awesome mm-hmm. so um this last question about dreamworks and i'm curious what would you say is your favorite part about working at dreamworks oh that's an easy one um so we get to go, you know, we, we, we have um, these fin- friends and family screenings when a movie is about to be delivered. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will bring, you know, uh, they can bring some guests, they'll bring their kids and everything. And I love going to see our movies where uh, all these families have brought lots and lots of kids. And then the kids are just loving the movies. Yeah, um, They love the Trolls Band Together just came out. Um, that's a musical and the kids are in the aisle dancing and I love feeling connected to that final product, right? You know, I know a lot of companies will talk about, well, this impacts, you know, has massive impact or massive scale and everything. And that's true. And that's kind of cool. But, you know, with DreamWorks, with our films, I can actually be in the theater and see that kid love the film. You know, they just love it. And that's really cool. That combined with, I get to work with the artists and, uh, you know, make them a better paintbrush. And then they make this really great art. That's awesome. That's kind of cool, too. So I have really direct connection, I feel, to the product. And then to how the how the audience actually receives that product. That's great. I love that. I I love love that answer. Especially, like, the seeing the kids enjoy it is... Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but like basically you're creating something to have people enjoy and to be happy about and yeah. being able to actually see it happen, especially with children. That, that sounds amazing. Yeah, we're here to entertain. Yeah. And uh, it's great to see when people are entertained. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So um, let's talk about the summit for, uh, just for a little bit. So what would you say is your favorite, so, favorite part so far about the summit? Oh, I like uh, I like all the uh, um, the tinkering uh, bits. Oh, the to, workshops, to some, yeah, yeah, the workshops. Uh, to be been to a summit and just kind of seeing how they're applying it in various types of hardware, or see it like, okay, we've got these uh, Linux phones, and we've got mm-hmm. um, you know some of the other stuff. I don't know what I can uh, say about the summit here that's coming up. You know, the the stuff that's happening tonight, but. Uh, oh, yeah. um, uh, seeing all of these applications, of I'm it. pretty sure it's it's okay to say because I think it's they, oh, they, like just the, the 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 submarines, yeah. you know, uh, powered and 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 also, um, you know, there was a talk about you know repairing your laptop and uh, reusing uh, the technology and mm-hmm. continue to reuse that in the future. I think that's great because I, I I am a little bit green minded. Yeah. I, I do uh, appreciate that we have the right to repair and to fix and to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, our stuff, open source kind of ties in with that. You yeah. know, it's your right to um, 
see the software, see the, how it works. Um, and, uh, you know, when they tie that together with the hardware, um, I think that's the coolest bits. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. So we're about halfway through the second day. Are there any more talks that you're looking forward to, uh, to attending? Uh, I need to check the schedule. <laughs> I saw a bunch of talks that were pretty interesting, uh, but I need to check the schedule. Yeah, me too. That, uh, honestly, that's the best answer because yeah. there's so many. And I, even though I have it on my phone in my calendar, I still forget what it is. Yeah. I forgot what time mine was yeah. until like last night. Like, oh, I'll have to check this to make sure. Right, right. Because you can't miss your own talk. Right. I was almost late. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't. I did, I did the same. I, did the same. Yeah. <laughs> I think it happens. And I was talking to everybody I was talking to. I mentioned how my talk was not done yet. Mm -hmm. And I think 90% of everybody who's doing a talk said they were like, yeah, it's, I haven't finished it either. It, you know, it happens. Yeah. But, online. Yeah, exactly. So um, let, if in terms of um, like a general sense of open source, what do you personally use that is you know, exciting for you in that, in that space? Personally, in the open source world, um, I have used Ubuntu since 5.04. Oh, um, nice. And yeah. I, I think that was earlier than I did. Yeah. yeah, that was quite some time ago. And yeah. uh, the, the, the presenter in the, in the opening uh, plenary, um, he, he talked about his experience when he tried it and it's like, oh, maybe there's something here. Um, I felt really connected to that because I was like, yeah, that was exactly the situation for me. I thought that was pretty cool at the time. And uh, um, so that's, but otherwise, most of my time is just kind of spent either at work or mm -hmm. um, in other pursuits. So, right. Uh, but it's, it's funny because when you were saying at work and I was thinking like, yeah, uh, if you if you're doing it, something like that, it's, yeah. you enjoy it and you want to spend more time doing it. Yeah, so yeah, because yeah. yeah. it's a lot of times when I've, I've had people would say that they're doing it something at work there, and it's like, oh, I don't want to be there. But when you love the thing you're doing, yeah. it's you know that's just the it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so uh, you say you're using Ubuntu uh, 5.04. Yeah. Uh, was that your first ex uh, access to Linux or first experience with Linux? No, no, no. I had used Debian before that, but then Ubuntu came along, and I was like, "Wow, this actually just works, <laughs> and it's easy. It was easy to use at the time." So, yeah, exactly. So that was my first experience using Linux, where I thought, "Oh, this is just this is great." I actually got it to run on a laptop. That was fantastic at the time. You know, that was yeah. a long. I had a similar experience. Twenty years ago, yeah. yeah. I had a very similar experience. There was I also had Debian before, mm -hmm. and I used Mandrake before too. Mm -hmm. And there was a, I accidentally did something when I was a teenager, uh, when I was first installing Linux in the '90s. That there was a you had to specify what kind of monitor you had by mm -hmm. the hertz. Mm -hmm. And I learned that if you put the wrong hertz in, you would have destroyed your monitor. Yeah, sure. And I didn't know that at the time, <laughs> and I got lucky and picked the right one. Oh, good. And someone like told me in an IRC room, "Hey, you could have done this." And then you have Ubuntu, and it's just everything is for you. And especially now, it's it's basically like it. You the the difference between now and then is yeah. light years. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's it's interesting that you're t you were um, you're in the Linux space for that long. Um, did you ever, you know, try out other distros like distro hop around? So not just Ubuntu, but something else. Yeah, at one point uh, I worked for a company that actually got bought by Red Hat. Oh, yeah. So, so we were on nice. Red Hat for a little while. Nice. So, so I assume that you're using a mix of everything in DreamWorks. Of like when you're talking about the workstations at uh, DreamWorks, it's I would assume it's like there's Windows involved, Mac involved, and Linux. No, no, no. We're strictly Linux. 
Uh, fantastic. I yeah. love to hear that. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so uh, I think that's, that's pretty much the most of the questions I have, but I want to do like a quick lightning round of silly questions. Sure. That's what we do. Okay. And uh, so the first question is the, it's, it's actually a running joke in our, uh, in our podcast destination Linux uh, because I don't even remember why, mm -hmm. but a while ago, my uh, co-host and I had a conversation and actually a debate over cupcakes versus muffins. And one of us likes cupcakes, and the other one prefers muffins. Uh, they're okay. They're both good. Okay. But like, which one would you prefer? Like, if you had to choose only one, would you pick a cupcake or a muffin? So definitely muffins. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> so I pick muffin. Muffins are the way to go. I will not pick a, a cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So the the next one is. Do you at at work? Do you utilize a stool for like active sitting of um, like an ergonomics thing? A stool? Yes, a stool. Uh, we have the Aeron chairs, basically. Okay, that's that's. It still has a back. But I, I did. I, I did. I don't have it right now, but I used to have a stool next to me for people for for somebody to come by and sit sit with okay. me. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll take that. So there's a another ridiculous thing that we do. Okay. It's, it's about a stool. I bought a stool one time for $9 on like a Black Friday sale. Mm -hmm. And he gave me a hard time about, do you can't decide whether to sit or stand. You need, you need something that's halfway. Like, it's still valuable. I, you know, stools are very valuable. Yeah. I'm looking enough, or uh, DreamWorks is uh, quite nice. We all have sit-stand discs. So you, you nice. just raise it up and stand up. Exactly, mm -hmm. uh, those, uh, those are fantastic. Yeah. So um, this is like the, one of the most controversial questions you can also say no comment if you want to in terms of like the geek world star trek or star wars oh uh, for me it's star trek yeah i, I agree it's, it's my favorite too. <laughs> yeah uh star wars is good but it's not star trek yeah star wars is good i'm old enough where i was the ideal age when the very first star trek uh star wars came out i was eight and uh I thought the first three movies, well, at least the first two movies, three, two, yeah. uh, were fantastic. And then um, the universe just expanded in ways. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm not that kid anymore. It's yeah. a different story. And also it's been poorly made since. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Star, Star Trek, on, uh, on the other hand, is just fantastic. And they have so many different good uh, uh, seasons and different uh, mm -hmm. versions of it. So, yeah. Of Star Trek. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the only the only exception is Voyager, really. I don't, actually, you don't like Voyager. Voyager is now good when you compare it to Discovery <laughs> and the first two seasons of Picard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm okay with Voyager. I haven't now. finished watching all of Picard yet. I've watched the first season of Picard. So season three is actually very good. Is I, it? I I people had told me it was going to be good, and I'm uh, okay, sure, whatever. And then I tried it. And it's it's very good. Uh, it's not amazing, but it's what the first two seasons should have been. It's it actually treats the the characters how you expect them to be, and how you how like the older versions how they would be, and they do it that way. Whereas the first two seasons, it just seems like random nonsense that makes no sense. Like it's just I, I even like. It's, I don't, I'll tell you a spoiler after if someone's watching, if you want to know. But I was very disappointed at the end of season two because it was pointless. Oh, uh, but don't, don't spoil it for me. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> okay. I will say, though, I was, I was pretty pleased. I went to um, 
one of the SciTech Academy Award ceremonies, and mm. Patrick Stewart was the host. Oh, that's awesome. Like, oh, this is great. Yeah. It's Captain Picard. That's awesome, yeah. It, it, there's a, 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 friend, a friend of mine who's here at this, at this summit who's also helping with some, some of this the production. Uh, he says that uh, per, uh, not just Patrick Stewart, but John Luke Picard is like his TV dad. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he still watches it every one, like, every, like not every night, but like often. <laughs> like yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. But uh, so the last question is a uh, it's technically also the same kind of level of Star Wars Star Trek. Mm -hmm. It's Marvel versus DC. Uh yeah, that's a good one. I I, I like Marvel. I, I prefer Marvel. Yeah, I'm referring to the comics themselves, like or well the characters in general, I guess. Um, it doesn't have to be anything movies or anything specific. It could be just the overall concept. Yeah, if, if you're relating to the com comics, actually, I didn't I didn't read very much. Marvel or DC Comics, so mm. then I would have to say I don't know. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I also prefer Marvel over DC anyway. Uh, I was just curious, you know. Yeah, but um, that, I appreciate your time. If there is anything else you'd like to let everybody know about in terms of like DreamWorks or, uh, uh, no, I think I'm good. I think okay. uh, uh, please try out Moonray. We're happy to have shared that with everybody. Yeah, um, we're really. You know, it'd be kind of awesome to see what people can do with it. Oh, yeah. Um, we're going to continue to use it for animated movies, but in my talk, I talked about there are so many other applications that you could do with this. Yeah. We've certainly tested 3D printing and VR and motion capture and uh, just inventing new workflows uh, oh, wow. using it. Um, and, but, uh, um, you know, we're eager to see what other people can do. Yeah. Even if we don't use it, it's like just cool. It's like, huh? We started this, and look, somebody did something really cool with it. That's yeah. awesome. That that is that's that would be really awesome to see. Yeah, and the the amount of things you can do with it, I didn't even know about some of those when you were talking about it. And for those who uh, were not able to watch the live stream, you can find the link in the show notes for the the talk that's going to be edited on the on the Ubuntu on air channel. Uh, thanks for joining me with this interview, Randy. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. And uh, good luck, and I can't wait to check out the next DreamWorks movie. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yep. Have a good Cheers. one. This episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, which is high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and LinStore, industry-leading open source software-defined storage. Linbit has an active presence in the open source community and they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features. Linbit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms and OSs without vendor lock-in. What that means is, is that you could choose the software on any platform, including specific hardware that you want to use or just off-the-shelf hardware that you get and connect it. You get, all of this stuff can be interchanged really easily. And with DRBD and LinStore, you can have high-speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration. Whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula, there's even DRBD proxy for long-distance replication. Linbit is run by its founders to this day, and all of its engineers and developers are in-house with offices in Europe and North America, which allows them to have global 24-7 support to complement their enterprise offerings. Visit linbit.com to learn more about the people behind Linbit and the awesome software for block storage, duplication, and more. And since we just talked to Michael Sweet and Till over at o Open Printing in last week's episode, I thought it would be fun to tell you about a game where you try to print a document on a printer. <laughs> it is a print simulator called PrintSim. <laughs> 
Of course, <laughs> there's a print. Of course, yeah. yes. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't have thought of this? Now, Ant Simulator, I get that was a lot of fun. I love that game. Yeah, there was uh, what like Sim City. Yeah, that one Sims, makes sense. All the Sims. Uh, roller coaster Sim. That's but one I of never my thought. You know what? I want to simulate printing. Yeah. Printing would be fun to simulate. Is, this is going to be exciting. Tell us about okay. more about this. Joe. This is actually a brilliant game. It's really well done. And the developer on Steam states, in this point-and-click resource management sim, you only have two weeks to print a report off for work. You have no ink, no money. Now get to it. <laughs> that report isn't going to print itself. <laughs> and this game actually may echo rage on a printer like in the classic movie Office Space. <laughs> you may want to take a bat to the printer <laughs> or give it a kick. <laughs> well, the question is, is that like a bonus round where you can attack <laughs> the know. printer in the sim? That would, that would be, be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's called office space mode. Yes. Oh, that would be great, Michael. Great. Great idea. If you, you haven't made an add-on game, people, uh, I would request DLC for that particular mode. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, the developer also says there is strong language, references to self-harm, <laughs> references to alcohol abuse. Mild cartoon gore and some flashy imagery. <laughs> I mean, for a printer sim, I get why. Yeah. Printers are very frustrating. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know why you'd simulate this, but I do find it funny that uh, this person I feel like that made this game uh, was in the workforce in the 80s and 90s and not recently. They've just been making games recently. The reason yeah. I say that is because it says you have a week to print a report for your work. And in the current corporate environment, you might get 20 minutes to do something that takes five hours, maybe yeah. an hour to do something that takes two and days. In this case, you would get about 45 seconds. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, nobody gives you a week anymore to do anything. Yeah. Uh, so, so true, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. And they get mad at you for not fulfilling the thing that that's impossible. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We want you to make that uh, print report uh, print out right now in 10 minutes. Or, or you're fired. <laughs> but boss, if you could no bring ink. that TPS report and put it on my desk. Yeah. <laughs> so what's really cool about Printer Sim is the intro is really cool. I know Ryan is going to love this this intro and Michael. It almost has a matrix type feel with the there's a transition from a holodeck type blank room to okay. a 16 bit room in a house with a computer workstation and printer on a desk. And a classic telephone continually ringing. Mm, <laughs> Bring back dream. memories of Matrix. Yes. <laughs> and naturally, you know, you click on the phone, then a dialogue comes up with several options to click on. And I chose, I actually chose, where am I? <laughs> and it answers. Sounds like, <laughs> sounds like what Michael does when I call him. Yeah. He picks oh, up the phone. Where am where I? Am I don't I? know. No, that sounds like me calling you actually because I'm That's, always lost. That is 100% hey, Michael, where you, am I? <laughs> because I'm more likely to know where you are than you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. True. And, and the game answered, currently your brain is suspended in spinal fluid and it's in a state of the art simulation designed to capture the frustration of printers. <laughs> Mm. Man, I would be more frustrated with the idea that my brain is suspended in spinal fluid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> scary. Like, what do you mean by this? Is it my spinal fluid? Yeah, uh, or someone else's. 
So the, the puzzles and point and click elements are actually very beautifully executed and the sound effects and dialogue actually really put you in the printer death trap scenario. Death trap. <laughs> and printer sim offers loads of fun hours of gameplay and frustration, of course. LOL. I always look for in a game. <laughs> Love it. And you can grab Printer Sim for $9.99 on Steam and download a demo that works on Proton out of the box. <laughs> so, it has printer death traps, which I assume are paper jams and paper cuts. Yes. Paper cuts. Oh, <laughs> that, man. that was my word for, for the paper jam. <laughs> death trap is a paper jam. Death trap, yeah. Well, now we're going to go from printers to sound, Jill, yes. in our software spotlight. Hmm. And we can combine the two with dot matrix plus the reference. I see where I get it. Well, full circle. Yes, full circle, people. Yeah, good full, job. Good okay. job, Michael. And in this case, it needs to be a color dot matrix printer. <laughs> this is a uh, copper. So Pipewire has been a game changer for Linux audio and has provided a much more powerful and simple to use advanced audio solution as we've been using here on the show. But still, there are times when us Linux hackers want to get into the nuts and bolts and do something extra. So our software spotlight this week is Copper. It's actually spelled (laughs) C-O-P-P-W-R. So it's Copper. Yeah, Copper. Copper. And in today's world, you can actually use printers to print out copper. So. Huh. That's true. Oh, yeah, the 3D printers. Yeah. yeah. Copper. <laughs> Can you print out copper? Yeah. <laughs> so copper, copper is a tool that provides low-level control over the Pipewire multimedia server. It aims to expose and provide as many ways to inspect and control the many aspects of the Pipewire multimedia server as possible. And it can be used as a diagnostic tool for Pipewire and to help develop software that interacts with it. And some of its features are node graph editing, which is awesome, object inspection, creation and destruction, process monitoring and profiler statistics, metadata editing, module loading, connecting to XDG desktop portal remotes, and there is so much more they're going to be adding. So Copper is available as a flat pack over at flathub.org, as a Deb and RPM packages, or on the AUR. You know what I like about being on BlendOS? That when they like list out all of the available packages, I could literally use any, any of them. Any of them. That's RPM? Okay. Deb? Sure. That's AUR? Awesome. Okay. Flathub? Yep. Like that's you know what I like about you being on Blend OS. You stop talking about Arch as much. Yeah, (laughs) that is nice. (laughs) That is nice. That nice. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love Arch. Arch is the greatest distro. I mean, Arch is good. Blend OS. I love Arch. Absorbed the greatest distro into it. Like it's the Mm -hmm. infinity gauntlet of distros. So it's got everything. You know. Yes. Well, my point is, like, if you're not on Blend OS, then you have to be like, oh darn, I don't have the ability to install a Deb. Or an RPM. But this particular yeah. has everything. So you're shut up. My, my point is how amazing <laughs> if you Blendo want Kopfwer, you're fine. Kopfwer. It's gonna be a I fancy. can get Kapwa a million different ways. You can I get want. it, you can get Kapwa with the RPM and with the dev. <laughs> and you can get on a flat hub as well. You must be talking about Kapwa. Kapwa. <laughs> <laughs> is that your tip and trick Kapwa. how to pronounce Kapwa? Michael, that's it. 
<laughs> oh, that would that would be wonderful. But yeah. no, I have other I have another tip that we <laughs> Okay, good. I feel that's so ridiculous. Uh, uh, anyway. Yeah. While we love sharing awesome tech with our community, we also recognize everyone is in a different financial situation. You know, whether you use dinero like we talked about last week, or you do it in a spreadsheet, which I do, and I actually feel like it's a good option. But this is not necessarily about a tip of the week for finance because we've already done that. We're going to be talking about holidays and how it's kind of tough depending on what situation you are financially because there's so many different great ideas. There's so many great gift guides like our episode last week. You can check out it. We'll have it in the show notes. But there's also things you can do that don't really cost anything. You can just use your talents to make gifts for your loved ones. If you're an artist, you can draw a picture, make a comic book, or paint or do something that's you know pretty cool. And if you have like a 3D printer, you could build basically anything. You can go to these like oh, yeah. CAD sites and you anything within your constraints of the three inch by three inch thing. Well, depending that you, on your 3D printer, you know? Or the, like, uh, or the, the constraints of your two inch by two inch bed of the printing. Stop ruining my not all of them are just two inches or three. I mean, you could get they could you could have a six inch, a twelve inch three oh, yeah. D printer. You could have you could have. Well, a yeah, but I'm one. saying that constraints are just whatever you have, yeah, and whatever material you, you have to use, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're being a party pooper. And oh, okay. sorry, <laughs> uh, you know, but router wall mounts, tool holders, speaker mounts, things Toy. like look around. You know, like family loved one has like you Sonos could, speakers or something. You could actually make shelves, plastic shelves. I made a router holder for my uh, Alien Amplify router system that holds it up onto a wall, and it's all three D printed nice. and matches the wall perfectly. And like you could do all kinds of cool things. It would be dope. You can even yeah. do things like, for example, create your own erector set game thing. Like, you remember those erector sets? Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. You could probably print your own stuff because just like, you know. Yes, you could. You can make all the cogs and, and the poles. And you know, cogs yeah. and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. You didn't hear this from me, okay? <laughs> you didn't hear this from me. But there was a time where I was missing a Lego piece. And oh. just turns out you can actually 3D print that missing piece if you find no the way. right instructions yeah, online and cool. make your own little Lego. You didn't hear that from him, though. You didn't hear that from me, though, people. Don't say you heard that from Michael. My name's Michael. So another thing you could do is make some cool software for someone. Like if you wanted to have like a special thing that's just a message that says something, you know, that you're thankful for them or something like that. Or you could do something where you could be more elaborate and make it a something for your family to open on Christmas together. You know, just something cool like that. And you could even do things like write a song and don't sing it if your name is Ooh, Ryan and on I'm the gonna show. I'm going to write a song for you, Michael. And then, <laughs> I can think anyway, of, the point we'll is, explicit. Let's just put that even way. if money is tight, there's a lot of things you can do with your talents. And you might not think that you have the, the kind of talents that needs to be used to do this sort of thing, but there's so many different ways you can, anyone can do any of these kinds of things. There's so many different variables that you could use that you probably have something, unless your name is Ryan. And then, yeah, no, then you're kind of screwed. No yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. If your name is Ryan and you're not on this show, you're probably okay. <laughs> but <laughs> I, yeah, I'm going to give everyone in my family circle Crocs because everyone. <laughs> I, no, yeah. you're not. How dare you? You're giving them joy bees. 
Joy Beast, that's right. Joy Beast. And Michael, I'm going to make a, a piece of software for Ryan and just call it Ryan AI. So then we'll have the dual. No, yes. that was my gift to Michael. Yes. Thank you so much. By Jill. the way, Do this. that's a great example. I wrote for Michael because he's yeah. a, uh, I won't say good friend. He's just like a person I know. And an, um, we're acquaintances on our acquaintances on the show. On the show. Yeah. And uh, with it, talk eight times a week, but all the time. Yeah. 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 Totally not friends or anything. No, yeah, <laughs> no never claim that. I, I wrote him software as a gift. It was Michael mm-hmm. AI. It took me yeah. near years. Uh, oh, it was a lot of time. But also, I just want to point days. out to people. Uh, when he said that we're not friends, it's it's very clear by Michael AI that we're not because it is basically just trolling me the entire time. Yeah. So uh, for those who are curious, I can't control the AI. You, you, I wrote it and let it loose, and that's what it did. You can't. You know? It's a very simple AI, people. It does one thing and one thing only. Troll <laughs> me. That is it. Uh, so if you want to check out Michael AI, it's still on GitHub apparently. I think, uh, and My it's also channel. it's also free software. Yeah, right. Yeah, you li- released it. You license. We talked about licenses previously. Yeah. It's not under something that's all that's going to be. I give open it to the world fully. Yeah. yeah. So kind of he's gift, so I generous gave a gift at to trolling the world. Me. <laughs> right. You think about gift giving. You're welcome, world. You're welcome. <laughs> if you want to make your own uh, insult AI to your friends, check out Ryan's. <laughs> Project yeah, you could steal it and make your own version. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you know what I did when I was a starving student? I made my family animations. I oh my god! Hours and hours, cool. and I did uh, wow. animations specifically. Not all of us are you. that talented, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Do it. Okay. So, well, I would. What I'll do is I'll draw out the picture I want to make for somebody in and stick and figure yeah, and do yeah. it like a picture <laughs> book. Give it to Michael and be in. like. Hey, book. this is what I'm going to give my wife. And then he'll be like, please, God, don't. And then fix it for me and make it cool. And then, yeah. then I'll gift it. So, yeah. so that his gift would be my talent. Yes. <laughs> I'll gift your talent. Yeah. Perfect. So speaking of me and Michael talking to each other, we're going to have to talk to each other and hang out all the time at Scale 2024, uh-huh. which is scheduled for March 14th through the 17th at the Pasadena <laughs> Convention Center in Pasadena, <laughs> California. We will be there with Jill, complete with our Crocs and Joybees, whatever you yeah. want. We're, we're, and we're going to be speaking to each other. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> we'll probably talk to each other. We'll hang out. And you can hang out with the entire <laughs> you GL You can crew. speak with us, too. Yeah. <laughs> if you... If you're not wearing Crocs. Hey, but we I can, mean, if you're wearing Joybees. Hey, Joybees is fun. We'll make sure to have some uh, Tux Penguins giblets for their Crocs. Giblets? Oh, yeah, those little things you plug in the hole. The, those the are hole. called giblets. It's so funny because I have a collection of Penguin ones, but I don't have Crocs. I just like the little giblets. That's cute. That's pretty <laughs> cute. Everything Jill does is cute. That's All right. <laughs> So this is where you can hang out with all of us. There's preparations underway, all kinds of awesome things going on at Scale 2024. You want to be there, basically. At the end of the day, just be there. Go to Scale. You get to hang out with us. Jill will be there. Your favorite anyways, especially Jill. Especially Jill. Especially Jill will be there. So you can come hang out with especially Jill there as well. We should have an especially Jill t-shirt. We should have an especially Jill t-shirt. Yes, that's the new shirt. Especially Jill. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Well, a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening. However you do it, we love your faces. And come join us. Hang out in our Discord at tuxdigital.com slash Discord. Hang out with a bunch of people from the community. People you already know like the same things you like because you like this show. And so you already got something in common with everyone. It's like a perfect place to hang out and make new friends. Perfect place. 
<laughs> Speaking of making new friends, you can do so by becoming a patron, which you, <laughs> you get access by going to tuxdigital.com slash membership. And you can do that by going into the patron-only section of our Discord server that Ryan was talking about because yeah. we have lots of cool places that you can talk about various different topics in the Discord server. And also, you can meet other patrons there as well, which is just fantastic. And there's so many benefits you can have. So you can watch live. You can watch unedited versions of the shows if you can't make the live version. And if, But if you can make the live version, you can also join us in the patron-only post show that happens every week after the show. You can get all of this by going to tuxdigital.com slash membership. And speaking of things that you can do to help this show, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash store and pick up some awesome swag, including maybe eventually or soon, hopefully, the especially Jill shirt, Aww. as well as other things like hats, mugs, hoodies, stickers, and so much more. You can go to tuxdigital.com slash store to get those. And make sure to check out all the incredible shows here on Tux Digital. That's why right? We have an entire network of shows to fill your entire week with awesome geeky goodness. Check out The Pseudo Show, which covers topics ranging from open source and business through to deep dives into complex technologies. And everyone head to textual.com and subscribe to all our incredible shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everybody have an awesome week and have a happy holidays and a wonderful oh, new yeah, year. Oh, yeah, we should have said good job. Yep, we forgot about saying happy holidays. <laughs> and, it, and this episode came out on a, specific, a particular day. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. Yeah. And remember yeah. that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Yay. See you next week, everyone, technically, <laughs> because we have another episode where we're recording a, an interview and you're going to see it. It's really cool. And we'll see it.